Hello, Spanish lovers. Welcome to Spanish We Do, a show about everything that can be done in Spanish. For instance, being perfectly calm and being perceived by other Spanish speakers as if you're absolutely out of your mind with anger. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but not so much. And it's got to do with accent and the way you use the language. And Clara will talk about it. This is episode number two with Clara González Tosat, journalist from Spain, Huesca, who, after graduating, finishing her journalism career in Spain, went to the U.S. and lived there from 2013 to 2018. And among other things, having the opportunity of on the one hand, share with people from all over the place, Spanish speakers from all countries, all different countries, but also which gives her a very educated and, and useful point of view about the Spanish language. Among other things, she worked for Instituto Cervantes, the observatory at Harvard University, focusing precisely on the use of Spanish in the U.S., And we'll talk about that. Like, for example, is there a U.S. Spanish? Can it be qualified as its own thing? You'll hear her personal approach and also her academical approach. Spanish We Do is a production of SpanishWeDo.com, a Spanish-English, English-Spanish translation team, which really we do work as a team. We all know each other, we all know our names and support each other depending on the requirements of a task. I'll give you an example. Right now we are translating and subtitling a series of webinars for a pharmacological, well, pharmacological industry. They're doing research on certain type of cancer. And even though the person who's doing the translation is a medical translation, there are some, well, rather very particular terms and expressions that would require research by this translator. So we have a doctor in the team, which, well, he does not have a lot of time available, but he does help us with that specific type of need. And that's the advantage of working as a real team not a, as one individual and, well, not as, sorry to say it, sometimes agencies, which a main strategy seems to be to keep clients and translators separated. They cannot connect to each other because they may steal our client. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's not practical and is, in my view, not good for any of the parts involved in the process. And as you can tell, I needed to say that. Should you need us, find us at SpanishWeDo.com. For now, this is a podcast, episode number two, with Clara González Tosat. Vamos, vamos, Clarita, vamos. Clara, now let's touch on, on uh, the cultural aspect of Spain uh, and Latin America and, and all of that uh, throughout your experience and, mm -hmm. and also, well, living in Spain and living abroad. How do you, in general, how would you say, if there is a general view for this, uh, people in Spain feel nowadays about people in Latin America? Because my first, I, I, I'll give you like a, a little thing to, to maybe grab and start from there. Because my sense is that for most people, it's like one blob where everyone is the same. So they look at Latin America as like one country. This is this, this country. 
Would you say that's true? But um, when you say, yeah, he's from Latin America, it doesn't mean anything for me. It might mean something for my dad, my mom, my grandma, because they do see that. I think newer generations are actually more able to um, give them you know, like their own identity and their own persona, which, which which everybody has. It's not the same to be European. European, it's not, you know, I, I have nothing to do with people from Italy, for example. But in this case, everybody in Spain used to think that because you guys share a language, yeah, uh, it was kind of everything. Everything was the same. Although we, even as we knew that people from the north of Spain has nothing to do with people from the south of Spain, but once you take that out of Spain, we couldn't, I guess we couldn't, or we didn't want to, we didn't want to pay enough attention. And, and everybody was, it was the same, like if someone from Argentina was saying that someone from Mexico or from Peru. Yes. But then you start talking to them and, and you see things and you see how, how they speak, the accents and everything. And that's when you realize, but you need to have some interest and actually going deeper into that. Because, okay. um, for example, now you mentioned Paraguay. One of my best friends here is, he's from Paraguay. And, and he always says that when he says he's from Paraguay, people expect him to behave like everybody, like, for example, like someone from Colombia. And they don't. There's like a nuance. Yeah, there's a different, there are different identities, characters. It's completely different, like more open or more, um, extrovert or something like that, and it has nothing to do with it. Not even, not even with the language, like the the way everybody is, right? Depending on what country they're from, what the culture, what the background is, it it gives them like a meaning, and and they it differentiates it from everybody else. I yeah. think the more we are um, growing, and the the, the as long as time is, keeps passing, we'll stop to see that block as like Latin America. Everything is the same. And we will be seeing more and more and more differences. Everything. Yeah. And well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and also, but I'm going to like, like throw an olive branch to people who have stereotypes because, I mean, when they think about it, because the stereotypes are a natural uh product of the way mm -hmm. our minds work. We need to classify things to be able to navigate our world. That's a necessity. So, of course, not all stereotypes are good. Uh, even good stereotypes sometimes are bad uh, because, well, you lump people into one category, but the point is how to understand this from the point of view of, of how you perceive information, when I mean you, we, human beings is, of course, you need to categorize and the less or the farther apart you are from something, the larger the category you're going to create in your mind. Yep. And of course, your information may or may not come from uh, accurate sources because sometimes a stereotype might come because, well, people from Colombia behave this way. Maybe you mm -hmm. met some people from Colombia. All right. But sometimes it just comes from a TV show that got to be very popular yeah. and made a characterization, even in Colombia, of one particular person in Colombia. And then that becomes your idea. Exactly. So knowing how that works, even so, even if you have stereotypes or I have stereotypes, we all have them because they are, they are actually... Uh, Ways to try to categorize in the sense of trying to organize the world we live in. Yeah. 
Uh, so knowing that, like, I do have these general ideas, yes, but I know they might be wrong, they might not be accurate, so I'll, I'll keep that in mind. But also know that forming stereotypes is a very human, and it's even a necessary thing. It's like the yeah. stereotype of a green light when you come to a street light. That stereotype <laughs> means go. So I'm taking it to a very simplified and extreme example. But that's how it works. So that's what you're saying. When the more you know, also the more that media, because media is like actually the language of society. That is yeah. something that makes some people uncomfortable, but that's the truth. Media is the language of society. And well, it becomes a little harder now with such an atomized media, with social media and all of that. But it, it's that level of sharing and knowing now Uh, through streaming platforms, shows from Colombia, shows from Mexico that mm -hmm. now are done in a different way because it's not like we have to appeal to everyone. No, now they're seen as representations of their own exactly. realities and make it makes them way more interesting. So, they're like, uh, exactly, they have value so. to it. Like, yeah. the difference is that before we used to, you know, like hide or kind of make it conventional and like. But now it's important. I think acknowledging those differences is what gives uh, every single country and every single Spanish variety the value that it has. It does. It does. Yeah. Okay. Now, having said that very rationally, which we needed to. <laughs> okay. Which accents do you, do you find appealing in Latin America? Not okay. meaning that you despise the rest. That's not what I asked. <laughs> um, I mean, which, which... Funny enough... I yeah. think I value accents uh, depending on the people that I've met. Yeah. So, for example, one of my best friends, he's from Puerto Rico. He had this, you know, like this musicality to his way of speaking. And I think because we were so close, um, it kind of it makes me feel like, you know, like closer to yeah. that. Um, oh, do accents rob favorite, on you? What? Do accents rub on you? Do you, do, do you tend to speak? Like, you know, some oh people are, are very, very <laughs> influential in that, in that way. I am. I know in I am. In Boston, we were, there were people from Mexico. There were people from Puerto Rico. People from Cuba. People from Venezuela. And people from Argentina. The way I sounded, We don't know. I have an interview recorded when I was at Harvard and I was working with uh, a journalist from El Venezolano, which is a newspaper from Miami yeah. in Florida. Uh, I have three different videos and I swear the first accent, it's kind of Colombian. The second video, it's me speaking with more Venezuelan accent. And the third one looks like a mix between, I don't know, something but it's funny how i i i start trying to you know to to melt like all of that and and i don't know it, it happened to me a lot of times and, and when actually. you spoke and, to your family on the phone or a video or yeah, video chat and, and what did they say who are you <laughs> i used to speak really slow in spanish when i was teaching and then i'd call my mom and she would be like are you right why are you speaking so slow Why are you using these pronouns? Why are you pronunciating like the V and the B so like precisely? We don't do that. What's what's going on? <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> yeah. 
So, okay, so we established that you you have an affinity for the Puerto Rican accent, which I love. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, oh, I mean, I, I when I was doing radio, I had a character that was from Puerto Rico, but it was not to to it, it was not characterized in any way. It, it, it was not really a character. It was a name. And I used to be a DJ. I would say I would play like I was a DJ and I went into Puerto Rico. I don't know why, because it felt like so much fun. Yeah, it does. It It, it has this like fun spirit attached to it, I think. Because the you know, way they are, maybe, I mean, you, you can never generalize, right? But yes. but it's always like, even here, I had I had another classmate who was from Puerto Rico, Gabriela. And she was like, I don't know, she was speaking and she, she could be telling you something like she was really pissed. But even she was pissed, she was upset, but there was still like this yeah. sense of humor to it. But, and I like that way of seeing life. So you're pissed, you know? but... Are you really pissed? You don't sound like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, okay, we, we have a sitcom my... there. That idea has to be <laughs> written down. There is a yeah, movie like there. <laughs> my my colleague Ivan who was from Puerto Rico, like the first month or two months that we were working together, he used to say like, "Are you upset?" And I was like, "No, why?" It's like you speak Spanish like really like strong and and very into it and i i can really tell when you're upset and when you're not and i was like oh my god all right that's a very very interesting point okay what did you learn about uh the way uh spanish is spoken in spanish and also well in part about the the energy charge of of the conversation yes being yes. abroad what did you learn about yourself and in spain again generalizations we know but they're useful in some sense First, that Spanish are from Spain are well known for being such a huge complainers, which I agree. I love complaining and, and, and the way I cope with some stuff is just really ranting in Spanish. You know, like, madre mía, qué barbaridad, qué horror, right? And that yeah. was perceived as like, why are you complaining all the time? Why are you upset? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not upset. I just really, like, this is something we do. Like, we will end up doing the job you just told me to do, but I'll complain about it if I don't like it, but I'll still do it, you know? Well, well, <laughs> other people were, like, more, I don't know. I was always complaining. That was, and something that I was telling my students, complaints, my favorite job is something that we do a lot, right? My favorite sport, sorry. Like, yeah. something that we do a lot in Spain. And and it wasn't the same for, for people from Puerto Rico, for people from Mexico, That was not the way they carry, you know, the language. And that was something very... Um, and then another interesting situation is that, you know, Modern Family, the yeah, TV the show? show? Yes. And you know Gloria. Well, yeah. Gloria is a huge stereotype of what a Latina is. Gabriela Vergara, right? That, Sofia that, Vergara, exactly. Yes. Sofia Vergara, sorry. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I remember living with my roommates in Boston. There were four guys, all from the U.S., like Georgia, Massachusetts, whatever. When I say in English, please, um, I think the trash can is actually quite full. You didn't do the dishes from yesterday. They were, um, I don't know, they feel like I was being really rude. However... If, and, and it happens to me when I speak in English and I get emotional, I do, I do not pronounce the word the same way. Yeah. Because I don't care. 
I don't care. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, you did something wrong. I'm not trying to speak proper English. But it's true that when, when the Spanish accent came into my English words, they will say, oh, my God, you're such a Latina. And they will clean it up <laughs> happily. Okay, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, so you're, you're telling me that if I tell you, Jose, you did nothing in the kitchen with the dishes, you're going to be upset and you're going to feel like I'm being super rude. But if I tell you, Jose, the dishes, oh, my God, then you will go and clean them. But, uh, and, the, and they go, but happily or, or like afraid? Like happily, like, oh, my God, you're so feisty and they will go and clean it. And I was like, Jesus, you're so sensitive. Like, I cannot speak That's English. That's one of the most interesting things I've heard doing this show. I swear to God. That's fantastic. And the moment I started doing like this, I, when they were making me really nervous. And there was at some point that I did it on purpose. I, I, I have to recognize it. Like I did it on purpose. I know if I'm going to speak English to you, you're not going to do it. If I do the, the Gloria part, yeah. you're just going to be fun and also do it like super happily. This is such I a I couldn't discovery. understand why. It doesn't matter. It works. It, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some advice if you want it. <laughs> no, that, that's that's great. I'm going to put it in, the, in in that list of things that we can like talk for ages, but unless the specific subject comes out with the specific like piece of information, we'd never find out. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. But there's you know, a stereotype you know, though, because yeah, of course. my roommates knew me. They knew I had higher education. I don't think it would be the same if I was, you know, um, like a, a blue collar worker in the States, because there's some stereotypes here in Spain, whoever is bilingual, you'll say they have higher education. However, in the United States, if you're bilingual, your second language is Spanish, it means you're an immigrant. Yeah. So you're not up there, right? But because Gloria is, um, it's married to a rich guy and she's very elegant and she has, you know, like beautiful clothes, she's very appealing. Um, that gives you, and because I'm a woman and because I, I do have uh, educate like higher education, I was getting my MA, they wouldn't take it at something that could be, you know, really, really bad because I can tell you that when, when a woman in, in the United States um, cannot kind of prove or cannot show you that, you know, she can be having a master's degree in dress, however, but If you're not, if you don't look like Gloria, that accent, it's not as great anymore. It means you don't know how to speak English. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see that. And well, we, we know, we, well, you know, you're probably you're closer than I am, but, but with having people directly there, let's say on the ground, uh, telling you things and, and their experiences. But well, the truth is that cultural changes Uh, are very, very slow. They're a very slow mm -hmm. thing because it's not something you know. It's something you feel. It means it needs to come out of you naturally. That takes a lot of time. Uh, yes. There's a lot of different input from it and that, that have an influence on that. But also the fact that all that input is not always going in the direction you'd like. So mm -hmm. it's a complicated situation. And also, well, people are in the middle of it. And, and sometimes it's just, they don't know. They don't I like know. To, I like But, to think that finally we can have a character as Gloria who's speaking Spanish and it's not a maid. 
right? It's not the nanny. It's not right. Like typical stereotypes from Latinos or from Spanish speaking people. Yeah. Now we have another different stereotype that's, you know, evolving more and more. And, and, and that goes to, to a better place, I think. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And also, well, we're, we're seeing, yeah, Latino characters also in uh, superhero movies and, and, exactly. and that kind of thing. Yes. So, well, it's a slow thing. You do the best you can. I mean, like each individual being uh, maybe, I don't know, just like Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, be this stereotype you'd like other people to have. So that might be a good idea. All right, Clara. So you worked specifically at Instituto Cervantes. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes. In, that's in Boston. Yeah, at Harvard okay. University. Yes. All right. Tell us what the Instituto Cervantes does. Well, it's called the observatory because they do mainly they do research. Another yeah. Instituto Cervantes, for example, the one in New York, they do teach Spanish as well. And they do have like... Um, training for teachers, for Spanish teachers, for teachers, you know, who teach Spanish. But uh, the one in Boston is mainly, mainly devoted to research, which means that every single month we'll take a, a topic and we'll have one uh, research paper, like kind of really well, you know, developed pretty much from, I don't know, 30 to 50, 80 pages long. Um, talking about one aspect of Hispanic culture and Spanish yeah. language in the United States. That could be from Galician studies in the United States to the one I did, for example, on uh, Spanish digital newspapers or the ones talking about politics, the ones talking about what happened with the Spanish version of the White House website. Yeah. Um, ones about, uh, there was a beautiful one about experimental music in Spain, Latin America, and the United States, carried by Hispanics. Yeah. So we were published that. We will also do a lot of events um, from, I don't know, poetry-like events to book presentations to, like, debates, um, more like linguistic, right, debates? Yeah, yeah. Or things like that. It was everything that we could to um, make it, you know, like a broader topic. It's not talking just about Spain and Spanish language, not just about the one that we speak in Spain. It's yes. about everything and especially focus on uh, Hispanic culture in the United States. Okay, so from how, how, for how long were you there working with them? Two years. Two years, all right. From that experience and also your personal experience out of it, outside of that, uh, let's try to, to, to tackle two, two things. One, is there something called American or U.S. Spanish? Is that a thing? That's, that's the first question I would ask. And also, you know, I'd like to know, uh, what do you think about the Latinx movement, if you're aware of it? Latinx? Yes. What? What? Oh, it's good that you don't know because you're going to have then a clean, a clean view about it. But okay. do, do you want to begin there just to get it out of the way? Yeah, sure. Okay. Latinx. The thing is that, you know, there is a gender evolution uh, going on in, in, mm -hmm. in the world in general, the Western world, the U.S. Uh, it tends to be like uh, the, the spearhead of this kind of thing, but mostly due to media also, right? And, and they're trying to neutralize the language. So the mm -hmm. way 
neutralized in the sense that it doesn't have to indicate like the gender of a person right away. But beyond that, which is a difficult, difficult thing in Spanish, we know that because, yeah. well, yeah. words, adjectives, nouns, all of them, most of them tend to either be masculine or feminine. So that's, but in English, most of them are not. It's completely exactly. the opposite thing. But the word used to refer to the Latin American community or the Latin American heritage community Latin is Latino. X. Latino with a no. Latino. So mm -hmm. what they are trying to do, which is not, it's not a general thing. It's not like everyone, but there's a lot of things and mostly young people. And, and this I'm telling you comes from previous conversations in this show with mm -hmm. people living in the, in the US. So they try, they, what they want to do is, okay, let's remove the gender from it. It's not only male or female, it's also uh, pansexual and um, just eliminate the gender, gender issue yeah. from it. Exactly. So they're replacing it with the X and they're saying I'm Latinx instead of saying I'm Latino or Latino. I'm Latino, mm -hmm. which works in English works let's say from a practical point of view whether you are you agree with it or not in spanish it doesn't quite work because you would no. have to say it in english <laughs> so then you would create a different issue but how how do you see either personally or from the point of view of 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 an academic which you are in this sense uh that um dispute with gender in the spanish language There's quite a debate here because a lot of people, especially in the Spanish parliament, they've tried to introduce the letter E as like the gender neutral. So yes. instead of saying, instead of saying like, if I want to say everyone, I, I will not say todos or I will not say todas. Yeah. I'll say todes. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a lot of debate among this from the, you know, the, uh, all the entities that actually have to do with Spanish language here in Spain from uh, people from the government, um, because we're used to have the, if you have a group of people and even if there's only one male in that group, that will become a todos. That'll become masculine because that's the way it's been done. Yes. Uh, but there's, there's quite a debate. I remember seeing some posters at Harvard where they were trying to change the Latino studies to Latinx studies. Yeah. Because okay. that could be, right, that could represent more. But it's true that with Spanish language, it's quite difficult to accomplish that because the X doesn't sound Mm -hmm. Like it does, you don't pronounce it that way. There was another movement that we're trying to put the arroba, like the at. Yes, like the right? at symbol from, from email address and, and that kind of thing. At, but then you can read it. You can read it. And there's a lot of people that still use the X here. It will say todos, but instead of the last O, they will put an X. But then how you pronounce it is a problem. Yes. In, in, in written like text, that's fantastic and it works. And there's a lot of people doing it. But speaking that particular word or putting that x it's difficult yeah, so yeah. we still don't know what we're gonna do i think there's still like social debate about that yeah it is also just to 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 give all those like techniques or tactics people are trying to use i'm, I'm saying just in an observatory way i'm not pronouncing myself in any way about it just yet uh, uh i saw recently like a site with the, where they had like a guidelines for using the language in spanish and they were recommending this this symbol that it's is it is used in other languages not in english or spanish which is the combination of the a and the e they are like mm -hmm. 
combined into just one letter. But yeah. how do you, again, how do you read that? I don't know how you read it. Or maybe you do. Maybe you say, todais? I, I don't know. But I think it's an interesting thing from the language or the academically point of view of the language. I get it. And I get that it always comes behind because it has to. Yeah. It's not going, it's not like, I don't know, coding. Like here is the Spanish 7.1. This is how we're going to do it now. That, that's not how language uh, institutions work. They come behind and they have to come behind. Uh, but mm -hmm. from a social point of view, uh, I think it's a very positive sign of human cultural evolution. Yes. And acknowledging the that there's, there's nothing like this way or that way. There's a huge, you know, gray middle ground that it's beautiful to explore and that everybody should feel included in their own language from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, you, U.S., uh, Spanish in the U.S. And, oh, and also, just at the end, uh, your experience when teaching Spanish and maybe your recommendations okay. for people who are trying to, who are working on it, trying to learn Spanish. All right, that's, would you say, is there a thing, just like people would say, European Spanish, which is why I call it. I don't call it, call it Castilian. We won't go into that right now. I've done it in other shows, but it's a very uh, complica complicated word to use. It, it's difficult. You can get even into political fights if you call it yes. Castilian. Okay, <laughs> so we got uh, Spanish, European Spanish, let's say uh -huh. neutral Latin American Spanish, defined as we said before, maybe Southern Spanish with Argentina and all of that, but just because they use Vos and the way they... Mexican Spanish as all right, sort of like a general thing. But is there something you could call, is there an entity you could call U.S. Spanish? Yes, I think, I believe there is. And that we were doing a lot of research um, about it. I could actually send you some information if you want to like oh, talk sure. about it, read it, or like actually share it. Um because we wanted to give uh, all the U.S. Spanish speakers an entity. Um, they may come from different backgrounds and they may come from, you know, different priorities of Spanish. But once they are in the U.S., that Spanish language comes in contact with uh, English language. And that was the example I said before about the rufero. Yes. Like that's someone who's going to fix your roof. And how do you say someone does something in Spanish or that's their job? That's E-R-O at the end. So a roof, rufero, and, yeah. and, and that's it, right? So I think that would not happen in other, like, for example, in the European Spanish or in Latin America Spanish because there's not as much contact with English as there is in the United States. Yeah. But it would happen in a different way, which is what we talked uh, many episodes ago when we said the influence of native indigenous languages in Spanish, yes. which again, Spanish came. So it becomes, yeah, it takes its own personality. Mm -hmm. So would you say it is defined then by vocabulary or is there something else there also? I think you said it before. I think media actually makes it easier to be you know like broadcaster i think music the music industry had a lot to do with it um actually u.s hispanics like born and raised in the united states but from hispanic backgrounds that now are like um actually becoming a big deal in the music industry i don't know i can tell you like from jlo who was you know or or mike anthony but also nowadays is cardi b and the way she talks, the way she puts some Spanish words 
in her raps, it's how the the U.S. Spanish is also evolving because they they need to have a reference. They need to have something or someone who validates that the language they are speaking is actually right. It's it's correct or not correct, but it's like you can actually do it. You can actually say it and express it that way. Um, yeah, well, in, in that sense, what, it, it's good to know that it, it does exist. And because the more we talk about it, it, the more it will be, I guess, appreciated and recognized. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to say, not made fun of by uh, native speakers from outside the U.S. Exactly. Which happens, which happens. It doesn't help at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, just again, from previous shows, I was talking to a journalist Uh, who all of her life, most of her professional life was like a hard news journalist, but now mm -hmm. is working with entertainment and she is interviewing. Yeah, she made that switch. Uh, well, with EFE, the, the news agency that yeah. the largest Spanish uh, Spanish language a news agency in the world. And and but she's interviewing the likes of J Balvin, Nicky Jam, uh, Bad exactly. Bunny. Yeah. And one interesting thing that really made me like feel good i'd say is that nicky jam in particular in particular he's got like a spanish uh counselor for good. his lyrics because he I wants to make sure it is actual proper spanish yeah and i well i'm going to reach out to him i want to talk to him i want to know why and also guys like uh It, no matter what you think about the, the the music or the rhythm or reggaeton or whatever, I mean, in terms of whether you like it or not, but they are now in a in a generation that they don't feel they have to do their songs in English to be successful. Mm -hmm. Not only in the U.S., all around the world. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's great. That's fantastic. I think. Yeah, I think also that uh, when we were talking about heritage speakers. Um, because when I was teaching, there was a big difference between second language learners, which are, for example, people from the United States, first language uh, is English, and they decide to go and, and, and learn Spanish. And it wasn't the same process as like heritage speakers, because a lot of people coming from like Cuban backgrounds, Puerto Rican backgrounds, whatever, they would speak Spanish really well. They will not have the a good like foundation in grammar because they, they don't usually teach Spanish in the United States. They're going more and more, but in like kindergarten levels and so on, it's not really easy to find. Yeah. It wasn't at that moment. And they're very insecure about the language they speak, about the Spanish they speak. They keep asking you for advice about that proper Spanish. When what I was trying to say is like, as long as you do the conjugation properly. I don't think there's a word that's not proper, right? So so it's interesting that Nicky Jam wants to speak the proper, right? Because he has a really interesting background and he could be using specific words to where he's from. Um, but I understand that he could want to like maybe target like a broader audience, broader Spanish language audience, I, I imagine. But there's always this insecurity, about this stigma about your Spanish not being good enough because it's not your first language or it is, but it's not exactly like English, but because, you know, yeah, there was yeah. always that like heavy anchor somewhere um, deep inside them that, that was gonna, it was making them insecure about who they were, like their own identity. 
So well, it's great that it, it it's evolving. Let's 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 keep at it. Yes. You know, one of, one of my my hobbies lately, which I just I reconnected with Twitter, like maybe in the last three months. For well, okay. yeah, YouTube because I created the the, the handle for Spanish. We do. I had my personal uh -huh. one. I did uh, a lot of, uh, from 2009 uh, to to well, sometime in maybe 2014, 15. Maybe I just like. But I went back now because I, I I found out one of the most fun things for me is to go on Twitter and find people asking things about Spanish. Yeah. And just answer like random and they get the answer and most of them say, oh, great. Thank you. And they ask something else and you discover really interesting things. Like, for example, a guy from Egypt who was mm -hmm. uh, the, his question was why Spanish speakers when they are. Uh, writing down the way they laugh, they go with J-A-J-A, -A, which at, at first it sounded like an odd question for me because, and then someone else uh, replied, well, because that's similar to the sound of the letter H in English in the word hello. And I said, oh, okay. But then this guy from Egypt replied, no, that's not what my, English, my Spanish teacher taught me. So I went into that conversation And what I found out, what, talking to him, or well, just exchanging tweets, is that, of course, he comes from an Arabic background. And the sound mm -hmm. of the soft J, let's call it, like, well, in soft H, like is hello, is one mm -hmm. letter. But the sound of a deeper, like hello, like you would yeah. pronounce the J in some part, uh, or many parts of Spain, is another yeah. letter. So those two sounds, the I'm going to use hello, like hello, like softly, like how I would say the J in Venezuela, Colombia. Mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit deeper in Mexico, but it's not as deep as in Spain. And hello, yes. those be two completely different entities. So it did not make sense to him that that was the reason why the J was used. So I explained to him, wow. oh, it's because for us in Spain, in Spanish, it's just one sound just pronounced in a different way. That wow. was to me, oh, that's amazing. I've never went into that. I, it, it, I remember my roommates telling me, why do you laugh, ja, 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 ja? And I was like, that's yeah, not ja, 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 Right? And also from, from um, here working with people from Latin America, they do know that we have a really strong like pronunciation of words. We're quite like bruto, right? Like really like, like tough. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe exactly. I didn't drop, it's, like. it's my boyfriend. He's from Ecuador. Uh, his family, they all speak like soft, nicely, really like calm. That's that's their character, like really, right? Hi, how are you? Como estas? Claro. Yes. In my family here, we scream and yell like, "Mama, what?" And and sometimes I'm talking to my boyfriend. He's like, "You're you're really like screaming, like you're yelling." <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't. Like, I, I swear, this is me just being, you know, excited, not actually mad. But the way we carry our conversations and the way our family interacts, it's it's quite different. So when I'm with his family, I try to be, you know, less Spaniard, <laughs> kind of like let's intense no, maybe." Exactly. Yeah. Be, yes. So, you know, that's there's like it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's always an interesting conversation. And the fact that maybe like them may feel that you are like way too intense for them. Yeah. But 
that is some something that emotionally is a natural thing to feel from their point mm -hmm. of view. And what I think would be fantastic, and I hope while well, these conversations help in any way, is to understand, yes, well, I'm feeling that, but I know why I feel it. So I don't need to believe in that feeling. I know I feel it. She's okay because she's from Spain and they speak like that. And eventually with time, I'm going to perceive it differently. And also from the other side, like you're not, go you're not going to perceive that something that speaks softly and maybe it, in a way you would feel like that's so tender. It sounds like, like I don't know, like the Care Bears <laughs> or something <laughs> that they're not going to trick you because that's what I found some people to think also. Like when they hear people from the Caribbean, some areas of the Caribbean, where English is, is uh, Spanish is spoke, spoken with some kind of, I don't know, loving characteristic. They yes. think, hmm, what do you want from me, you trickster? <laughs> <laughs> so just knowing that, knowing that it, ha it, it exists and knowing that just because you feel something, it doesn't mean it's true. I think that would be a fantastic evolution for us as human beings. But I have uh, like a ton of other subjects, but we, it's been it's a, a little bit long for you, I guess. I'm, I've taken more of your time, but th that's on you because being interesting is your fault. Oh my God. So uh, we, we can just maybe talk in another time, talk another time, because yeah, I would like to go you. into your take on learning Spanish. Why, yes. what would you advise people in 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 from from that point of view and also many other things that i'm sure are okay. going to come i'd up. love to really thanks so much thank you so Sarah. much for calling me it's been a joy feels oh like God. we've, we've been so happy. speaking Finally for six months but in a good way this is how <laughs> i want to spend my pandemic <laughs> uh -huh. thank you so much jose thank you we'll be in touch bye And that was it. Thank you very much. Gracias, muchas gracias, Clara González Tosat. And I don't know about you, but I want her back. We'll figure something out. Talk soon, Spanish lovers. Hasta pronto.